It's so dark. Where am I? Who said that? Me. You. You. Where are my cigarettes? Who's there? I am. You are. The man, blonde and sharp-featured, sat across from the raven-haired beauty with green knife-like eyes. On the tabletop, between them, sat a gun. How'd I get here? Where is here? That's what I said. Who said that? Me. You. You. You got me here, you sanctimonious prick. Who's a prick? You are. Me? No, you. But where's here? Here is here. Here cannot be there, or else it would, wouldn't would be here. What? What? Look, just point me at the light switch, okay? Nothing's okay. Their eyes locked like a steel vault. The magazine was full, and both of them knew it. Their hands were itchy and twitchy, and their hearts burned in their chests and felt like jackhammers. Who said that? I don't think there was a light switch. Just let me out. No, let me out. I'm not even supposed to be here. Who? Me? You? You? No, me. Why aren't you supposed to be here? What makes you so goddamn special? Who, me? Shut up. But where's here? Here, not there. This is your classic two men in a box scenario. That's bullshit. How many of you guys are there? Me? Me. Me. And me. Okay, let's sit down and figure this out. I'm not sitting down with you. Why not? I just want a cigarette. Anyone got a cigarette? I could use a drink. Anyone have a drink? Shut up. You got me here. You get me out. Hey, I'm trying to get me out. Think you're so special? You two-faced rat of a bastard and you know it. You're pissing me off, man. No, you pissed me off. Four hands jumped to the gun like coiled jungle cats. With the gun held fast in her well-manicured hand, his hands limped backwards across the rough wooden top like crippled spiders. I can't find a chair. He probably hid them or broke them or sold them or something, asshole. What did you say? I called you an asshole. What is your deal? My deal is her deal. Who is she? Where is she? Not here. She's there. Will someone shut the philosophical parrot the fuck up? Seriously. You know who she is. You're the one that fucked her roommate. Now I really need a cigarette. Ruby? How do you know Ruby? We all know Ruby. That's what got us here in the first fucking place. But, but, but... She hefted the gun and pointed it at him. She leveled it out like a professional. She pointed the gun at him like a lipstick, like a cigarette, like a finger, like payback. What's Ruby got to do with this? Everything. She knows about that hot, sweaty, drunken night with Christina when Ruby made eggs for you two days ago, scrambled with cheese. My favorite. Don't interrupt me, you piece of shit. Yeah, you twit. Eggs and cheese. And Demerol. Demerol? She cocked the hammer back hard, and her red polished nails made him think of love and blood and death. I'm going to have to spell it out for you, aren't I? Demerol? Somewhere. Not here. There. What did I fucking say about interrupting me, huh? Where were you? Me? Shut up, goddammit. Out there, you're in a fucking hospital bed in an overdose coma. Out there, Ruby ran off to Brazil with her personal trainer. Out there, you're fucking dying. Oh, is that why I can't find my cigarettes? Bang. That was Voices. I'm Doug, and this is Mr. Wright. This episode is going to be about dialogue. I spent a little bit of time on this on the Gunfire Lullaby episode. That was about writing scripts. So I'm going to go back and kind of talk a little bit more about putting dialogue in your characters' mouths. Like I said on the Gunfire Lullaby episode, 
when you're writing dialogue, think about where your character's from geographically, from uh, economically, psychologically, emotionally. How are they raised? How do they move? Do if they ooze physically, if they move in a strange way, would that affect their speech? Um, if they're twitchy, they would have a stutter. Um, like I said, if they're very lupine, in the case of one of the characters from the wolf episode, then he was very verbose and very smooth until the very end when his animalistic aspects were kind of torn away from him. When you're writing dialogue, I always recommend, uh, if you write a big chunk of it um, at any given point, uh, walking away from it, uh, whether you are blocked or not, um, and you can always do this, keep writing, and then go back to it the next day. But I recommend reading your dialogue out loud, because sometimes it'll sound great in your head and look great on the page, but when you read it out loud, it'll sound stilted or odd. You can always look at influences in terms of writing dialogue, a very naturalistic and minimalist way. I've talked about Chuck Palahniuk. Uh, Warren Ellis does a great job at figuring out exactly that character's voice when he comes up with a name for them. So he really just character builds completely. Um, so you can tear apart how certain characters in your favorite pieces speak. Writing dialogue should also be very naturalistic and organic for you. These are characters in your head. You shouldn't have to fight hard to hear them. If you are, take a different approach. Uh, once again, walk away or read it out loud. Um, in the terms of script, look at word economy or uh, intonation, emphasis, things like that. Um, and that comes into prose as well. In terms of comic books, because we'll talk about that with script writing, one of the secrets in writing comic books is that there should only be 25 to 28 words in a word bubble. Past that, you need to cut down, get rid of things, look at word economy, figure out if you can shorten anything in there, you know, boil it down to its essence and go from there. You know, you want the seed to grow into a tree, but you we don't need to see how the sausage is made with every single word there. You know, word economy is always a good thing. Ways to practice word economy um, in terms of just practicing it. There are things called flash fiction where you write an entire story in, say, 80 words. Or tweet fiction, which is a fun one for me, uh, is writing kind of a snapshot of a story in 140 characters. Not words, characters. Um, that will teach you word economy. Flash fiction, one of the experiments I did, and I sh probably should dredge them out and, and do an episode about flash fiction and word economy. I posed a challenge at, to friends on social media, and I said, give me uh, a title, no longer than four words, and a word you want me to use in the piece, and I will write a piece in, I think it was like two or 300 words tops. Um, and I managed to get like, I think four or five of them knocked out and it was a lot of fun because, one, it was a challenge because I had these constraints put on me that I had to use this word, and the title wasn't mine, per se, and I had to make it mine by filling in the blanks with the with the piece itself. I should really challenge myself again. I could probably use it. We could all use it. It's, once again, a tool for the toolbox. It's working that muscle that is your brain and your writing. Like I said, I had talked about this a little bit on gun on the Gunfire Lullaby episode. I've referenced the Wolf episode. Go back and listen to those if you'd like. In terms of the Wolf episode, that was more about world building. But still, 
go back to that microcosm of creating a character as opposed to the macrocosm of creating a world, when you're creating a character, you're going to think about their voices. Gunfire Lullaby, another perfect example. There were three main characters, and one of them was this um, satanic assassin, um, and he was supposed to be very smooth, so he doesn't say a lot. Um, and when he says it's very almost oily, palpably oily, where you get the sense of that he's a man of few words, but when he says something, he means it, or it counts, or it's going to mean something later. And the other, one of the other characters, uh, Billy Bob, obviously from the South, um, so he had a drawl, and he tended to it kind of interrupt himself when he was talking and explain. He'd use exposition of himself in his own stories. So if someone said, I like your shirt... Instead of just saying, thank you, he would have this story about how that day he went down to the Montgomery Wards, which I don't think exist anymore, and it was a hot day, and he saw a dog, and it, you know, he made up a story about that dog, and now he's going to tell it, and then he'll come out of that story about the dog, and talk about how he walked in and saw the shirt, and how Mabel looked especially fine at the cash register, stuff like that, where it's like, he was just this fountain of stuff and couldn't help himself because it was very casual and he was overly friendly. So his he tended to speak in, in almost monologues, which was very sometimes uncomfortable because I had to go back and read it and go, okay, I need to cut some of this out because he's talking way too much. So that's another thing, you know, when you're reading it out loud. Like, are you sitting there for 20 minutes while this character is doing... Um, an exploration of himself or um, expanding on a, an idea that's going to happen later or has already happened? Um, is he doing exposition? Is it too short? It's like, you know, it just goes, the guy says yes, and that's it. And it's like, well, where do I go from here? Because that was kind of a closed uh, answer uh, as opposed to an open question or an open answer. So it's you got to look at, you know, do you have a train tunnel that's too big when you need a door, or do you have a brick wall when all you need is a door? These are things to think about when you're doing dialogue. Like I said, reading it out loud is the best way I've found to, to do it. And in terms of other ways, if you have writer's block with dialogue, I know that's happened to me a few times where I'm like, I don't know what this guy's gonna fucking say. Um, I found that while I have that kind of issue... If I'm out in public, I'll actually take off my headphones. I tend to write listening to music. And I'll listen to people talk. And I'll figure out little things. Uh, I'll hear an intonation or an accent or a lot of slang or something like that. And I'll just kind of listen to people. Um, not in a creepy eavesdropping kind of way. But like just listening to the naturalistic way people talk. People don't talk in wooden script format. They don't. That's just not how it works. In terms of on this show, I do edit out a lot of my ums and uhs and likes and you know so's, but that's how I talk naturalistically, uh, which I don't think is an adverb. So if I were to write myself, I would be constantly, not constantly, but frequently you know, like umming uh, when I pause to collect a thought or finish a sentence. I tend to use ums as semicolons. If I were to uh, write my dialogue, because it usually happens in the middle of a thought, because I know where I'm going to begin and I know where I'm going to end, but getting in between those two things 
I tend to pause, collect thought, and get it out. So there's another thing that you can use if you have writer's block with dialogue or you just need some inspiration for dialogue. Listen to people. In Ultimate Spider-Man, the comic, Brian Michael Bendis, that writer, sat at a mall and listened to teenagers talk to get a sense of how they talked and the slang they used. That is an amazing thing, and that's something you can do that's easy, could be cheap, could be free. You don't need to spend money on it, and it will heighten your writing. It will make it better because you'll have all these little things that you can attach to a character in terms of making their dialogue realistic and natural. And on that note, I'm Doug. This has been Mr. Wright. Remember, you keep writing, they'll keep reading. Right on. If you like this, check out some of our other shows like D20 Proof, Knapsack Comedy, and Mr. Wright. You can find us at www.bacnpodcast.com and by searching for BACN on iTunes and Stitcher.